Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Expert Answers from Inside Scientific. Inside Scientific is the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today, we are joined by Peter Plouffe and Philip Konechny. Peter is the director of R&D at Transonic. Philippe is an application scientist and surgical trainer at Transonic, a company known for its products and biomedical flow measurements. They are here to discuss what is essential in order to collect valid pressure volume loop data. Let's jump in. So the question is, actually this came from Carla Weinheimer. Carla, if you're still out there, thanks for being online. What anesthesia is most widely used by PIs doing PV measurements? Yes, I have that anesthesia question all the time. The anesthesia question most what I've seen so far in the field is uh, used of isoflurin. The question is why? So I dug uh, into this because the minimal alveolar concentration of isoflurin, yeah, what the minimal alveolar concentration is, by definition, is the concentration of the vapor in the lungs that is needed to prevent movement in the 50% of subject in response to surgical pain stimulus. So that's what I'm thinking is isoflurane, if you look at the tables, which is widely available by Dr. Mapleson, I believe he published it in 2003, and there's a table in this paper, I believe, where it cites the minimal alcohol concentration. And if you look at the minimal alcohol concentration in the in the table, isoflurane is about 1.17%. It's very, very convenient anesthesia, and also it's very fast. And if you look, uh, I believe, in isoflurane publications, it basically says it doesn't interfere. At the beginning, it does interfere with, uh, it depresses the blood pressure, but at the if you set it up 0.5 to 1 and later on, it doesn't interfere as much as other anesthetics with the cardiac, with the heart, with the cardiac, with the hemodynamics. So isoflurane is preferable anesthesia in animal research, and I've seen it in many laboratories around the country. Yes. Perfect. Moving on to another question. We've had a couple people, like you used the terms magnitude and phase frequently throughout the presentation. So we've, we've had a couple people ask about these signals, and I guess kind of grouping their questions together, the best way to say is, can you explain in more detail what both actually magnitude and phase are? Like, what are we really looking at? What are they seeing with those signals? And then somewhat like, why are they important? You know, and, and maybe stress the importance of the phase signal, because that was one particular question that came through. I think I'll take that one, thanks. The magnitude is the AC current, the electronics version of conductance. Conductance would be a DC signal, and, and, and since we're using AC theory and admittance technology, we switch to the proper term with it, which is admittance. For all practical purposes, conductance admittance can be used interchangeably for the purposes of PV loop observations. It's actually an indication of how much blood is in the ventricle at any one time. There's a semi-linear relationship between the measured admittance or conductance and the amount of blood. It's what the Bonds equations and our Wiggs equation with our system uses to track and convert to, to volume. Phase angle is more fun, uh, and I'll try to stick to less technical answer. The, the, the full technical answer is available in our research package or on our website, and certainly available after the presentation. Simply phase angle 
is an electrical term that's used to indicate that one sinusoidal signal is leading or lagging another one. So big deal, right? Doesn't tell you a whole lot if you're a researcher. But for our purposes, the phase angle is used as an indicator that some portion of the electric field is traveling through the myocardium. So in other words, it's, it represents indirectly what is known as the parallel conductance part of the signal. So from observing the phase angle, we can tell that parallel conductance is actually happening and that it's varying throughout the cycle. Through the admittance um, algorithm, we then combine this with the muscle properties and we can subtract the amount of uh, volume that is estimated to be traveling through the myocardium rather than through the blood. From another practical consideration, Philip used the word sonar when he was talking about the, the, the phase angle. I, I look at it uh, slightly different, but the reason that we include it in the displayed signals is that it provides the user with a, a relative indication of the catheter position within the ventricle. For example, the lowest possible mean phase angle value in a two to three degree span would indicate a, a good catheter position. In, independent of what animal you're in, you're looking for the, the lowest mean phase angle you can get with, say, a two to three degree sinusoidal span. What that indicates is that you should be in the central, in the, in the center of the ventricle, and you're watching as the myocardium approaches, which gives you a high phase angle, and departs, which lowers the phase angle. And that gives you some assurance that you're, you're in a good position. His, his last few slides spoke to this, and an experienced observer, researcher would know from, a, from uh, doing this a few times on a mouse what's a representative phase angle, and he would strive to get that every time. Philip used sonar. I like to think of it as, as, as a stick to locate yourself in the middle of a dark room is, is more the image that I use. That's a but, good analogy. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, I find it very useful in that, besides sure. being the electrical trick for doing parallel volume subtraction. Right. I hope that cleared it up a little. No, I, I think that's uh, definitely a good overview, and it's great to know that, again, for those out there that, that are also interested in some of the more technical background to the derivation of phase and its integration into Way's equation, which you mentioned is, you know, you know the, the term of the equation that is used to produce admittance volume data versus Bond's equation, which would be that traditional, you know, where all this PV loop science started. Bond's equation has been being used since the 80s, I believe. So very, very good. Another group of questions. So again, I'm just, I'm reading through some here and they, they really relate to ventilation. Maybe I can position this as in all cases, should someone be using a ventilator and what would the benefit be? Probably, Philip, uh, yes. can I direct this at you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, certainly, yes. Uh, ventilation is uh, important. And then uh, why is ventilation important? Because we know that the positive pressure ventilation, for example, improves blood oxygenation. It also helps lungs work more efficiently and allowing reduction of inspired oxygen concentration and also limits uh, CO2. And if the, for example, CO2 increases, you, you might get into respiratory acidosis, which leads to, I believe, in decrease of cardiac contractility. So what you're really aiming towards uh, by ventilating animals is to 
get into more physiological space. Uh, you trying to do ventilation because you measuring physiology. So your baseline should be more physiological without any any respiratory acidosis in this example, for example. Yes, I would use uh, ventilation to get uh, clear physiology ba uh, baselines. That's my short answer. Okay, very good. And maybe on the same in the same accord uh, on ventilation, we've had some people chime in about having gasping issues. Maybe specific to the mouse model, I'm hoping that we're having some heads, or I'm assuming we're having some heads nod out in the virtual space there of those that are online saying, yeah, you know, we have uh, gasping challenges at times. Just maybe short, are there any tricks that people can consider here? Gasping, yes. Well, hypoxia gasping uh, might be observed maybe under severe hypoxia or complete anoxia. And it's in various species I've seen uh, so far, uh, like mouse, for example. It's a life protective, I would say, reflex. You know, it's a minimal ventilation. It has to be even uh, during the loss of consciousness. It's a re reduced oxygen supply to the brain and which triggers, I believe, the sequence of respiratory responses and then which you probably seen a tachypnea before complete starting gasping and then it's gasping so if you follow uh, further it's complete depression of the frequency of the breathing and then it can lead to hypoxic coma so how you how you prevent that well from the mouse ventilation standpoint what i would do i would look for the ventilation guidelines. I try to put in the PV workbook. It's downloadable from our website, as I said previously. I put the tidal volumes and respiration rates for animals, and you can actually calculate it also yourself. So when you're setting up volume ventilation, tidal volumes and respiration rates are very important, and it's downloadable from our website. For large animal researchers, I've seen using paralytic agents like a pancuronium, mm -hmm. but you have to be sure, you have to also know that the pancuronium does not have sedative or analgesic effects and also the side effect of pancuronium increases heart rate I believe and arterial pressure, cardiac output and also salivation. So for the mouse I would play with the ventilator. Yeah I was so going to say it, it's great that you touched on pancuronium because we had a question come in from Julie Haral and, and she mentions you know experimenting with this but you know that's maybe something to consider is that you okay. You know, experimentation is fine, but think about the consequences, especially when using drugs and how this might influence hemodynamics. On the same talk about ventilators, like certainly from a physiological point, you you um, approached answering that question. I think you know one thing I would share just from my experience as well is that not all ventilators are the same, and there is some experimentation there. There's different models, and Pete, you touched on this, right? Like some are particularly good for mice, uh, yes. and some for rats, or some both. I mean, just very high level with the no reasoning. Have you guys seen particular, like particular ventilators that perform well in a mouse? Like that just, for the most part, are, are really bankable. In a PV space, I've seen the uh, Hugosax, the, the ventilator Peter showed on the image. Yep. One yep. of the slides, the Hugosax works for me. It's a volume ventilation and works uh, like a charm. Okay. Very good. I believe that's a mouse. It is mouse. Yeah. yeah, so that would be for mouse. There was a great question that came in earlier, and I want to find it. Give me a moment here. Oh, yeah. It basically talked about, again, relating to ventilators, but how this might influence baseline data and when you're doing uh, occlusions. And I think what the person is hinting at is the value of basically doing a pause on the ventilator. Yes. So can yes. you elaborate on why that is valuable and how that, again, as a best practice, 
might influence the quality of your baseline data and also when you do load independent measurements by occlusion. Again, I'll take probably this question, uh, RP data. <laughs> this influences, uh, if you stop, usually what I do when I do my preps, I stop ventilation in the inspiration phase if you can do so in larger animals. In the small animals, it's sometimes difficult because the piston in the ventilator is very fast, but I'll try to do that also in the inspiration phase and it's recommended also when you do PV research, trying to stop the ventilator in the inspiration phase and then observe the, observe the uh, channels live, especially pressure. And after that period of nice data, which are usually without any interference or any gasping, now you occlude. So this pre-occlusion data which helps with the stabilization of also the catheter in the cavity. I've seen many times that after stopping the ventilation and inspiration phase, the catheter magically get into the uh, middle of the ventricle and you do occlusion and you have a beautiful ramp of pressure and volume going together. So yes, it always helps. And again, going back, why we ventilating animals? Because we have better control over the prep. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you will tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. For the full webinar, please see the link in the description. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.